0: there for you, and in the last half, there'll be some note-taking for you, so we'll dive right in. Did you know that God told His people in the book of Leviticus that they shouldn't eat bacon? <sighs> no bacon. No lobster. Until a couple of years ago, I had never eaten lobster, and man, you get that, that butter and the lobster, man, that's good stuff right there. And yeah. bacon... But God told his people, no bacon, no lobster. And some of you are thinking, if you're going to start saying, Pastor, we can't eat bacon and lobster, we're going to find a new church. Don't worry, this pastor didn't get the way he is from not eating bacon. I think I put a picture up a few days ago. And we'll talk about all that at the end of the message tonight. I put a picture a few days ago of a salad. It was just a bunch of bacon with a piece of lettuce on top. That's my type of salad right there. And... um, the Bible also talked about the fact that they shouldn't shave their beards or their sideburns. Or, yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, you just got yours trimmed up a little bit. It was, it was almost hitting the floor there as he was sitting there in his, in his seat. Um, also talk about not mixing fabrics that you wear together. So, like, if you have something in your house that was 50% cotton and 50% wool, you would need to get rid of that because that's what, it, that's what the Bible said. Or if you picked a grape up off the ground in your house, or off, out when you're in your garden. Or, think about this, if you had a child, a baby boy, you couldn't go to church or go to, for a month. It was a baby girl, it was two months. And God told his people that they shouldn't touch dead rats. He even told them how many steps they should walk on Saturday. <clears throat> God goes into great detail about a lot of things in the book of Leviticus. And often we get to it and we dread it just a little bit and get scared of reading the book, but it's, diff- it's a different setup than the book of Genesis and Exodus. The book of Genesis and the book of Exodus, they are narratives. Exciting, interesting. The book of Leviticus is a manual. It's an instruction book. And Leviticus is a wonderful book that gives us insight to the nature of God. This book is all about, and the theme, if you want a theme for the book of Leviticus, it's God's holiness. His holiness is theme; is the theme of the book, and his, his attention to things. God really does care about the things that we do. And it's seen clearly in what he tells his children in the book of Leviticus. The theme of Leviticus I mentioned is holiness. I want to talk tonight for a little bit about the holy God, that we serve and tie all these things. If you go with me, you're there in the book of Leviticus. Go with me, I believe, to the theme verse of the book would be Leviticus 19. Turn there to Leviticus 19 and look down at verse number 2. I believe if you want a theme verse for the book of Leviticus, this would be the verse. Leviticus 19, verse number 2, the Bible says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy... For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Holiness is mentioned 87 times in these 27 chapters. God makes a clear distinction between clean and unclean. He makes a clear distinction between holy and profane. Something that we fail at a lot of times. We go back to chapter number 1. And let's just read for a minute some of the things of chapter number 1. We're going to read chapter number 1 tonight. I want you to go to chapter 1 of Leviticus, verse number 1. And the Lord called unto Moses, and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd, and of the flock." And if his offering be a burnt offering of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar, that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. And his inwards. And his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt offering, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or the goats, for a burnt offering, he shall bring it a male without blemish. And he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar, and he shall cut it into his pieces with the head in his fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. And he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water, and the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar, which is a burnt offering, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if the burnt offering for his offering to the Lord be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. And the priest shall bring it unto to the altar and wring off his head and burn it on the altar. And the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. And he shall pluck away his crop from his feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. And he shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder." And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now I think we might have a hard time on a Sunday morning saying we're going to start a verse-by-verse study going through the book of Leviticus. You see that reading there, and as we go through there, we see some things and we read it. I want you to understand something. this chapter, you might look and say, what's the point? There's this animal, you burn it with fire, you do this this way, and you do this, but you've got to understand something. There's no irrelevant chapter in the Bible. Everything has a reason and a purpose. The burnt offering here is a picture of Christ who came not to do his own will, but the will of the Father, and he sat, his, sacrificed his will completely. It's pictured here through this burnt sacrifice, this burnt offering. It also reminds us of the fact that we are supposed to be, what does the Bible tell us, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. It's interesting. We tease about getting bored in Leviticus, but did you know some things? In Jewish culture, Leviticus is the first book the children learn. Leviticus is referred to about 40 times in the New Testament. Did you know our Liberty Bell in Pennsylvania has written on it from Leviticus 25.10 proclaiming liberty throughout all the land and unto all the inhabitants thereof on the Liberty Bell. Did you know that if you were to take, and I can't say this for sure, but I would say that Jesus' favorite verse in all the Bible comes from Leviticus because it's something he quoted more than anything else in his ministry. Leviticus 19, verse number 18, the Bible says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Comes from the book of Leviticus. This book contains God's instructions that he gave to Moses when the people of Israel were camped around Mount Sinai. Now you think about this. The book of Genesis was written about 2,400-year time span. From the beginning God created everything to Joseph being dead in the coffin. The book of Exodus was a few hundred years of Jewish history. And the, a few hundred years the Israelites multiplied and they're there in Egypt and they keep growing. And then eventually God leaves them out of there and God delivers them. And gets them out across the Red Sea down to Mount Sinai and they build a tabernacle. God's presence is going to dwell with his people. I want you to understand something here in order for God's presence to dwell with his people God gives them the book of Leviticus to lay out God's laws that would govern his people now and now that they were on their own now that they were no longer under Egyptian law he tells them how to live he tells them how to eat he tells them how to work he tells them how to worship. And something just a reminder for us tonight, God is interested in how we live today, how we eat, how we work, how we worship. He's interested in every area of our life. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10:31, "Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. The book of Genesis, man is ruined. The book of Exodus, man is redeemed. And Leviticus, man is worshiping God. Much like the New Testament, and much like we're studying on Sunday mornings, the book of Ephesians, a great example of it. The book of Ephesians this morning, we are talking about how we've been redeemed. We've talked about God's sovereign work, and we were going through all these things. Well, you're going to notice as we go through the book of Ephesians The first three chapters are all about what God's done for us. And then chapters 4 through 6 tell us how to live because of what Christ has done for us. In the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters talk about all that Christ has done. Chapter 12 reminds us of the fact, therefore, it tells us about being that living sacrifice. Because of what he's done, this is how you live. So think about the Old Testament this way. God redeems his people, brings them out of Egypt, and now he says, this is how I want you to live. That's what the book of Leviticus is all about. This book reminds us that sanctification should follow salvation and that we should be growing in grace. We should be living more holy lives as we dwell in the presence of God. That's what it's supposed to be. Why is the book named Leviticus? I am so glad you asked that. I'm going to tell you why. Jacob had 12 sons. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. Divided the nation according to these family lines. And one of those sons was the son Levi. His descendants were known as Levites. They were the ones that cared for the house of God and the worship of God. They were the full-time workers of the tabernacle. The title here, Leviticus, means the law of priests or the law of Levi. Levi. This book gives the instruction for the Levites and all Israel for how to worship God. Now, it's very interesting. The book of Leviticus takes place, the book of Genesis starts with nothing, and it goes to the Garden of Eden. It goes to the Tower. It goes all over the place geographically. The book of Exodus starts in Egypt. They come out of Egypt and get to the foot of Mount Sinai. The book of Leviticus took place at one place, the Mount Sinai. And it was about a month long, was all it was. No history, not many characters, just instructions, warnings, and guidelines from God for his people. Have you ever jumped a car with a dead battery i've done it multiple times i've done buses talk about when we lived in montana for a few years there got so cold we'd have a bus that would go out and pick up children on sunday mornings but sunday morning it'd be negative five degrees outside and you have this old diesel bus that doesn't want to get started it wanted to move as much in that cold as i wanted to move and it sometimes and what would happen is they even had on some of those buses, you could plug in this heater this heater core that was in the motor to try and keep things a little warmer. And if you got the thing a little warm, it made it easier to start. Otherwise, it didn't like to start. And if you weren't careful very easily, that battery, and a church bus too, you know, it, a lot of places had the new buses and things. A church bus it's not one of those new ones. And so it just had a hard time starting sometimes. And... I, re- I had jumper cables with me all the time because somehow as an assistant pastor, it was my job to make sure the bus was running every Sunday. I don't even know how that... W- I, at that time, I didn't even have my CDL. I wasn't even driving a bus, but it was my job to get out there in the cold and make sure the bus would start. I always had jumper cables with me and not these little sissy ones that we have around here that are like this thick because you know that's the rubber around there and the little wire inside is even smaller than that. No, you want a bus to start, you need the big old thick ones, as thick as you can get them. And you need even sometimes a couple of vehicles hooked up to it, and maybe you might get enough power. If, did you ever, and I did it a few times, touch the wrong cable to the wrong battery terminal? I wasn't quite awake. You know, at that time in the morning, you know, it's still freezing. You get a little light show going on, and you wake up pretty quick. Leviticus is like the manual telling us Christians which jumper cable goes on what terminal. There are some things the child of God shouldn't touch, or else sparks will fly. Now we're going to dive into a very simple outline for the book of Leviticus, and this should be where your notes catch up with me and where we'll start. As we talk about the book of Leviticus, we see number one, we see it's about sacrifices. There are, from chapter 1 through chapter number 7, five different offerings. The book of Leviticus is about sacrifices. Letter A, we see a burnt offering. We read about the burnt offering a few minutes ago here in chapter number 1. Letter B, there's the meat or the meal offering. And no animal was involved. You're like, well, what, what details do you have about that? Read through it and see for yourself. Letter C, we see there was a peace offering. This was voluntary, benefited God, the offer and the priest. And when we give voluntarily to God, we please God and help ourselves and those who serve among us. There's the peace offering. Letter D, there's the sin offering. The sin offering. Letter E, there is the trespass offering. In every offering, there are three components to the offering an animal slain, the person offering the sacrifice, and the priest. So think about that the animal slain, the one offering the animal, and the priest. Think about this Christ is all three of those for us. He provided the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice, and he's our high priest. You see how all that can tie together there? You see that with Christ? You see, as we talk about here, we see the basic outline, the first seven chapters are about sacrifices. Number two, we see the next three chapters, chapter 8 through 10, are about the priests. Priests held to a high standard. And today now we are all priests, right? Isn't that what the Bible tells us in the New Testament? Yes, we are. But we look and we see that God has these high standards for the priests and gave them certain things and those standards are talked about and we see them and if you read chapter number 10, you see it starts out that a couple of Aaron's sons um, come on Brian, Nadab and Abihu, yes, I think that's right, they go in with strange fire and God consumes them for coming into his presence not properly God had a set way it was supposed to be done and we see that God had a set way for it to be and so we see the book of um, Leviticus it's about sacrifice, it's about priests, next letter number three, it's about purity A lot of ceremonial laws from chapter number 11 through chapter 17. The Day of Atonement is mentioned here, and we'll talk more about the Day of Atonement in a couple minutes. The laws are given here. The clean and unclean animals, etc. This is where you would read from chapter 11 through 17 how you weren't supposed to eat bacon. Right in this passage, right through there, that's where it says it. Since we're here, go with me to chapter 16 for a minute. Chapter 16. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother. They come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark that he die not for I'll appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering and he shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with a linen miter shall he, shall he be attired these are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burn offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take... Do you see how Aaron had to deal with his sin before he could deal with the people's sin? So you see verse number 8, it says an Aaron, oh, verse number uh, 7, And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And we read through here, and you ever hear of Yom Kippur, the holy day of the year for the Jews? That's talking about the the day of atonement. One goat was for the sin offering. It killed to show that it was blood that atoned and one life substituted for another. One goat was the scapegoat. The sins were placed on him, on that goat, and he was cast into the wilderness. And that's what the Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Jesus, these two goats that are represented here on the Day of Atonement, both represent jesus christ he is our sin offering what he did on the cross and he's also our scapegoat our sins were put upon him he was he took our sins upon him out into the wilderness where he'd never be seen again as far as the east is from the west that's how far he removed our transgressions from us The scapegoat was visible in a representation that their sins were removed and carried away to be remembered no more. And they had to do this one time a year, every year. Do you know, my Day of Atonement was February fifteenth, 1991. And because of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice, there was no other Day of Atonement that had to be done. It was an offering once for all. That Jesus Christ changed when He died on the cross for us. He shed His precious blood and also as my scapegoat, carrying away my sins. And my Day of Atonement, I'm thinking, do you remember your Day of Atonement? Some of you, you know, if you remember, when did you get saved? Do you remember when you got saved? Anybody know the month? If you know the month, yell at the month. I hear a lot of different ones. If you remember what day it was of that month, go ahead and say it. If you remember what day of the week it was. Remember what day of the week it was? It was a Tuesday for me. Do you remember what year it was? That's your day of atonement. Praise God for what he did and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. See the book of Leviticus, it's about sacrifices, it's about the priests, it's about purity. Number 4, it's about morality. Chapter 18 through chapter 25. We see there are sexual guidelines placed here. The moral law, the behavior of priests, the Jewish feast, the holy days, the Passover, Pentecost, all these different things, how you treat the poor, the Sabbath year, the year of Jubilee, all these things were given here from chapter 18 through chapter 25. You know, one of the reasons, if you remember, the Bible talks about in these chapters, it talks about the Sabbath year. And Israel was supposed to take a year every seven years where they didn't, they didn't do their crops and all that. They were supposed to give the land rest. They didn't do that. So when they got carried into captivity, they were in captivity 70 years. Why? To make up for the 490 years that they didn't do that one year every time. That's why. Why? See, God has a reason for everything he does. And God punished them, he gave them what to do, and they just didn't follow him the way he said. It's about morality. The sexual guidelines are there. Homosexuality is mentioned through here. Um, Incest is mentioned through here. There's lots of things. Bestiality, all those different things mentioned right here. And then we see number five, as we give this simple outline, we see lastly, it's about obedience. Chapter 26 and 27 vows obedience ties consequences all these different things so what should our main takeaway be when we read and study leviticus do i have to obey every one of the laws for forgiveness of sin no we're no longer underneath the ceremonial laws or the civil laws that are mentioned here these were for the nation at that time before the arrival of the messiah That's why the Orthodox Jews that didn't realize that Jesus Christ was the Messiah that came, that's why they still still don't mix their fabrics together. They don't eat pork and they don't shave their sideburns because they missed it. So you think about this, they're still living under the law because they don't realize that the Messiah came and they're not under those laws anymore once christ came he fulfilled the law and get this with me tonight it's no longer sinful to eat bacon amen i got i got an amen there i no one else said it but that's that's truth right there that's bible for you right there and all god's people said a few of you a few vegetarians might not have but that's okay i saw what is it the teens call them those memes and things the other day and it was this guy that had just hunted and he was eating a big old steak. And he said, for all you vegetarians, I just helped you out. I killed what was eating all of your food. <laughs> you know, some of you might get that later, but I thought that was pretty good. But let me just say, and sometimes people have a hard time, well, we don't follow the ceremonials or the civil laws. What do we not follow? Any? No, the moral law of Leviticus is unchangeable. We should still be seeking to follow the Ten Commandments. Murder is wrong. Idolatry is wrong. Adultery is wrong. And these laws were reinforced in the New Testament and they still are a part of things today. I'll give you a few last things. Three last points will be done tonight. Number one, when we talk about the law, the law reflects... The character of God God is a God of holiness God is a God of order God is a God of righteousness God is a God of principles to be guided by that's how he works and the law reflects the character of God number two we see that God cares about every detail of our lives. He really does. I know some of you might not believe it, but God really does care about what you wear. He does. He does. He does. He does. He does. Modesty is still in the Bible. God does care what you wear. A Christian should be different. Men, women, we should. It matters how you dress. It matters what you listen to. It matters how you worship God. Oh, I just come to God and I worship him any way I want to. That's not how it's supposed to be. Because Aaron's two sons went in and worshiped how they wanted to and we see what happened to them. Now, I'm not telling you you worship God how you want to and do it, living in your sin and all these different things, and that God's going to send fire down in the service and take you out. I don't think He's going to do that. He could. He can do anything He wants to do. But I'm not telling you He's going to do that tonight. But we see what it represents. God cares about what you wear. He cares about what you listen to. He cares about how you worship, who you worship, and how you give and what you give. God cares about how you treat your neighbor, He cares about your integrity. He cares about the activities of your life. He cares about your attitude. He cares about your actions. God cares about what you watch on television. He cares about what you browse on your smartphone. He cares about who you text and the strangers you text on social media. There's not a single part of our lives that God is indifferent to. That's the message from the book of Leviticus. And yes, we might not be under certain laws today, and I'll probably have a piece of bacon before I go to bed tonight. You no, know they say? Do you know what they say? Every piece of bacon you have takes about four seconds off your life. That's what they say. So I'm about two weeks now off of my life from the bacon I've eaten in my life. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. But when we talk about this, we see that the law reflects the character of God, and that God cares about every detail of our life. And then lastly the law points to christ the law was never intended to be kept for salvation the law was intended to to spotlight our sin reveal our wickedness our insufficiency to show us the need we had for a savior first timothy chapter number one tells us the fact that the law is good if it leads us to see our need for salvation those that try to keep the law for salvation or sanctification are living in an outward religion. Not an inward. The law was intended to show us how wicked we are in our need for a substitute, our need for a sacrifice, our need for a savior. The law focuses on the externals while Christ's focus is on the heart. The law deals with actions. Actions. Thou shalt not kill. That's a result of anger. Christ deals with heart attitudes. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Thou shalt not commit adultery, action, which is a result of lust. Christ says to even look on a woman in lust is a heart issue that you need to work on. The law shows us our external weaknesses So that we will seek and find internal insufficiency that can only come through Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can take that place and make it all work. Last verse I want you to see. And most of you, you get to the last note and you think that, oh, pastor's not going to have us look at any more Bible. About half of you, your Bibles are closed and half of you, they're open. So good job on those of you with it still open. Leviticus 19, last verse verse number 18 Leviticus 19 verse number 18 thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself I am the Lord why should we not do these things because of who God is we are his people. We're called to live holy lives, distinct lives. The love of Christ constrains us because of who he is and what he's done. That's why we should be striving for holiness in our actions and the things that we do. Father, I thank you for the time